Here we are again with an amazing uh, guest. And thank you. A shout out to everyone out there who is following our podcast. Today we have Judge Renee Ventecourt. So we are going to be hearing her story. I know she's a mom. She's an elected official. She has three girls. She is also, she studied law. And there's so many things that we want to hear from her. She's Hispanic. And OMG, I just want to uh, go into this, the, the questions already, but I want to hear her story. I want to hear why she decided to be a lawyer and uh, how she juggles everything from being a mom and, and a wife and all those things that uh, a lot of women do. So thank you so much for giving us time today. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Adame. I'm extremely excited uh, not only to be on your podcast, but also to share my story and hopefully inspire, you know, um, somebody out there, another Latina, young Latina who, you know, maybe is thinks or doubting themselves or saying, you know, I don't, you know, putting all these obstacles in front of them. And maybe my story will show them that, hey, if I can accomplish what I've accomplished, I think anybody can. So Amazing. Thank you. And this is what our, our podcast is about, persistence in adversity. We all have a story to tell. We all have a story to share. Everybody has obstacles. Everybody has adversities. And of course, uh, some are bigger than others, and we can't compare ourselves to anybody else. But again, going back to stories, we all have challenges. We have challenges in our everyday life. However, regardless, we overcome. Regardless, we move forward. Regardless, we persist. And this is what we want to share. What you exactly said that, hey, if I did it, si se puede, you can do it too. Everybody can. So thank you so much. Now, let's hear about uh, you growing up. Share a little bit about that. <laughs> growing up, um, I come from a father and mother who were married at 15 and 16 years old. Um, it's a funny story. Well, not a funny story. We laugh about it now. My mother actually skipped school one day. And she went to go watch Young and the Restless at her friend's house. And my grandfather found out. At that time, I guess her and my dad were dating. And my grandfather, you know, back then, you know, Hispanic or even now, I mean, there were extremely two sets of rules, two set, one wow. rule for the boys and one rule, one rule for the sons and one rule for the daughters. Yes. And my father got my grandfather got so angry at my mother that um, I guess my mother told my father, you know, I, I'm, I'm worried he's going to do something to me. So my father being, you know, that knight in shining armor shows up to my grandfather's home and my grandfather says, oh, okay, you're here. Okay. And so my mom was forced to go and get married. She wasn't pregnant. She, she, she skipped school. She was forced to go and get married at 15 years old. She said that she basically went from one side of town to the other side. My father lived in housing projects here in Edinburgh, Texas. Um, he was from a divorced family. He was a breadwinner in the family. Um, and so he basically, you know, they got a bunch of stuff in trash bags and walked from one alleyway to another and went on to be married now for 50 years. We just celebrated their 50, 50th wedding anniversary. Uh, my mother and father wow. had their first child at 16 and 17 years old. Uh, I have a pair of, I, there's a pair of Irish twins in my family. Uh, my brothers were born on the same day, same month, but a year apart. So they're exactly a year apart. And my father and mother had them before they turned 18 years old. Um, so my father and my mother obviously only had a ninth grade education. 
So back then, all you could do was work in the fields. And we actually have been migrants from the day I was, I think I was conceived at a barraca. That's what my mom says over there in West Texas, Millstreet, Texas. Um, and since I was a little girl, we would migrate. Uh, my parents still migrate to this day. Uh, of, of course, my father has become extremely successful because of hard work and determination. And, and I think because of the support my mother has given him. Um, he now owns his own packing shed. So he packs watermelon all year round. Uh, those big boxes you see at Walmart, HEB, and you see watermelons in there. Well, there's no machine. So he is the man who gets his crew. And literally, as they're coming from the field, they are taking down, put in a conveyor belt. And my father's are just checking them and making sure the best ones are in those boxes. And my mother makes food for the workers. So they, they've been doing this for years. Um, they, my mother finally decided to go with my father when I graduated from high school. And so she left me at home and said, okay, I'm going to go with your dad now. I, I, I raised you all. And so now I'm going to go migrate with him because during the, during um, kind of the fall, my father would leave, let's say August and wouldn't come back to October. So now my parents leave in August and don't come back to October. So these two individuals growing up, they gave us a lot of love. I can say that, but love, it was hard love. It was a uh, tough love. Uh, my mother wouldn't play with me. You know, my mother was busy. She, she was on a mission to take care of her children, make sure her children were good people. She would never check my grades. She would just check my conduct. Uh, and of course, I would talk a lot. So she would always see what the teachers were saying about us. That's what she cared about. She cared about how we were as individuals. Um, she said, you know, you can be smart, you can be dumb. I can't help that because I'm not educated. I can't help you with that. But I am going to make sure that you all grow up to be good people. And when I say good people, law-abiding citizens, you don't embarrass me. You don't do anything to embarrass yourself. And you're always respectful. And her taught, teaching us those morals and virtues. And then my dad teaching us the value of hard work uh, to go from nothing to what he is today. You know, that is the world I grew up. Did it have its challenges? Oh, yes, of course. Um, we grew up in a very bad neighborhood. Um, we have... Um, my parents still live there to this day. We, we won't let them leave or build a new home, but we grew up with drive-by shootings, you know, drug bust, uh, our neighbors, domestic violence. Uh, a lot of the kids that were in our neighborhood ended up in prison. I ended up representing them when I was a lawyer in the neighborhood in the back. You know, we had someone that killed a state trooper, went to, went to, li went to prison for life. So, and then I think just maybe almost 10 years ago, an officer was shot right in front of my parents' home. So, you know, we didn't grow up in the best neighborhood, but in our home, we had a lot of structure. We had a lot of love, tough love. And we had, you know, my mother making sure that we just, you know, we did what we were supposed to do. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. And we, I'm here smiling and laughing and tearing up also because same thing at home. You know, you have the set of rules for men, the set of rules yeah. for girls, and then same thing. I mean, it was like they make sure that my mom was there's food on the table, our clothes are clean and, and ironed, and and dad did the work. Dad did the work, and uh, wow, very similar. But wow, so let let's uh, talk a little bit. I mean, you were, you you practiced law for a while. You you studied law, law. Why did you decide to go into be a lawyer? So, like I said, you know, growing up, the adversity that I dealt with was the two set of roles. I had two older brothers. My two older brothers' roles were very part and different from my role, from our, the roles that pertain to me. Um, for example, this is one thing I do want to share. 
when my friends were out there, you know, um, their parents were, were on them about doing college applications and make sure you get them in. My mother was like, don't you dare do a college application. You have a, a university here, you know, te vas a quedar aquí. Todo está muy bien aquí. Everything's good here. You know, you, you don't need to leave. And I was like, but my brother's got to leave. Well, it's different. Your brother's got scholarships. They were athletes. You're not. Um, I didn't, I didn't get that gene. Um, but you, you, this is a perfectly good university and you need to stay here. So I better not find out you're making it, you're applying anywhere else. Well, in Las Escondidas, I was there applying to universities. And when it finally, the opportunity arose at an actual St. Mary's university, accepted me and gave me a scholarship. Why well, bypassed my mom and I went straight to my dad, you know, I'm daddy's little girl thinking, Hey, you know, he's going to change his mind. And and my father being the man he is, who I know it breaks his heart to tell me no, even to this day, um, he said, pues no, yes, mija, you can go, si te puedes ir. I go, you see, si, I can go, see, si, anda, you can go and, you know, go ahead. And he goes, and I said, okay, well then I'm going to need, he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to need money. He goes, I don't have it. He goes, you're going to need room and board. I can't help you. He goes, you got to go figure that out on yourself. You can go, I'll, I'll give you my blessing. But the, whatever else you need, you're on your own. And at that time, you know, they wouldn't let me work because to them, education was more important than working. They didn't want me to like, you know, money and they wanted me to, to finish my education. So, of course, I had no skills. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't. I, I really wasn't going to survive on my own. So they kind of forced me to stay here and, and go to school. But when I was also growing up, I did notice a lot of injustices with my father. Uh, my father was a man of his word, palabra, you know, but unfortunately, the growers who were predominantly Anglo-American weren't about the word. They were about contracts. And so they would take advantage of my father. And so my father would work really hard and they would shortchange him because they knew that they didn't have anything in writing. And so I would hear my father tell my mom, well, you know, it's because we need a lawyer, but if I go to a lawyer, it's going to cost me more money than what I'm actually wanting to fight for. So let's just let it be. And so uh -huh. at that point, I found out, you know, there was, I found out we were different. I found out, you know, even though we lived in the Valley and we all looked the same, I found out that there was, once we stepped out, there was a difference. And and I started researching it in college, in, in high school, La Raza Unida Party, Dolores Fuerte and Cesar Chavez. I mean, all these movements just, you know, because we would just hear so much about the African-American movement, which, again, was amazing. The civil rights movement. But nobody ever talked about the Chicano movement. Nobody ever talked about Crystal City. Nobody ever talked about Ed Couch Elsa and the walkouts back in the 60s. You know, and so for me, that was extremely interesting. And I knew that the only way. I could maybe make a difference with your education and becoming a lawyer. Um, and plus, I never, I always argue with my mom and I never, I always ask <laughs> why and why this and why won't you let me and why can't I do that? I always, I always pushed that envelope and I always questioned um, a lot of things and, and I would go and do things on my own. And we were migrants. So as you know, migrants get a lot of benefits, a lot of resources, but again, our people and my parents were too proud to go ask. So for example, I wanted to go to a summer program in high school and I was a migrant. So I went to my counselor and said, Hey, I'm a migrant. Like you can pay for this program for me. And I know there's federal funds out there. Like, I think you should pay. And the, my, the counselor would be looking at me like, who's this girl? Like what's up with her? So she, um, they would come back and say, yes, Miss Renee, we're going to pay half. And then your parents can pay the other half. And of course, my parents was always, 
can we pay in payments? Can we do payments? It's always about payments. And I said, mom, we can do payments. We'll, we'll figure it out. Okay. So uh, being a lawyer for me, um, and actually I didn't want to be a lawyer. I wanted to be a Tejano singer. I was telling that to, to, that to someone the other day. I, I wanted to be a Tejano singer. I love Tejano music. Um, I love Selena. I saw Selena uh, at the market square in San Antonio. When she first performed, we were there. We would migrate to a little city called Dilly, Texas. And my dad would pay the workers on Saturday. And so Sunday we would go off to San Antonio. It's about 30 minutes away. And we would just kind of walk around the, the market square because, you know, it was kind of a, an open um, market and, you know, it wasn't really expensive. So we would walk around there. One time I saw Selena and I asked my mom, who's that? She was, hi, Princess Selena. And I go, what, what do you mean? She was, she's a Tejano singer. And, and I go, but she looks like us. She goes, oh yeah, she looks like us. So from that point on, I became infatuated with Tejano music and Selena. So I wanted to be a Tejano singer, but thank God I became a lawyer, right? Because I don't think I had that <laughs> talent. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's a lot of... Uh similarities that you're sharing for the people here in the valley and again for those people that are listening from different parts of the world uh we're are in and the united states but it's texas way way down texas in the border from mexico and you're right a lot of us that have not had at a younger age never traveled outside the valley uh much less texas you think we're all look the same we think we're all hispanic we all think we're the same color of skin the same color of hair However, we travel a little bit north and we realize that we're the only ones. You know, just recently the other the day, I told my kids, have you noticed like we're the only ones that Hispanics here? They're like, yes, mom. Like, why? I'm like, well, just, you know, we come from the valley and it's different. So I think it's very important to expose our students, expose our, our kiddos, expose our young people to, hey, there's something else out there besides us. And to be mindful of that and also to be knowledgeable that way they don't take advantage of us or anybody and or any 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 color of skin doesn't matter but you also mentioned that you you wanted to be a lawyer because you would see the injustices from your dad so that is very true a lot of times uh, we see we see people especially they don't speak english or they're because they're not educated, other people take advantage of that. So it's 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 sad. But so fast forward, you decide to be a lawyer, you study and share a little bit of that when you were in school. Well, and it's funny that you you speak about this adversity. You know, um, you're right. When we walk out of the valley, then think demographics start, start to change. And that's exactly what happened. So I went to college. I finished in two and a half years because I told my parents, OK, fine, you're forcing me to stay here then I'm going to finish school as fast as I can. They patted me on the head and said, okay, Mija, well, you know, okay, you know, like, good, like, way to, you know, it's like, Anna's good, you know, good luck to you. Well, I finished school in two and a half years. As soon as I graduated from high school, that next Monday, I was at summer school one, took eight, took nine hours, summer school one, summer school two, took another nine hours. I had 18 hours in the first summer and then continued with 21 hours in spring and fall and spring, so forth. So I finished my undergrad in two and a half years. I didn't have the opportunities that our kids have nowadays with the uh, concurrent enrollment where they or dual enrollment where they stay in the same classroom and get college credit. We actually had to go to um, the university and pay like regular tuition if we wanted to do something like that. So I went ahead and, and just went flew through college. Um, 
And so I told my parents, like, I'm going to go to law school because there's no law school here in the Valley and I'm going to have to leave. So this is like, let me prepare you now, you know, mentally, because I'm going. And they were like, well, are you sure you graduated already? You're going to graduate. So they actually had my older brother come from his house to our house to confirm in my report card that I was graduating. And so at that point I applied, I applied to um, the University of Texas School of Law. I didn't think I was gonna get it and I'm still waiting for them to call me back and say, just kidding, give us back our, our law degree. Uh, the University of Texas is a big law school. It's a, it's a very, it's a nationally known law school. It is ranked number one in the state of Texas. It is top 20 in the, in the United States. You have people from Harvard, Yale, Stanford, any Ivy League you can think of, they were there at UT Law. And plus they let me in there. Um, and so I walked in my first day, I was probably one out of, I think our graduating class maybe had 50 total. And that was like the whole graduating class. So my first day of law school, I didn't have many people that looked like me and boy, did they let me know it. I mean, even down to the first question is where did you go to undergrad? Well, I went to the University of Texas, Pan American. Where is that? Well, that's in, in Edinburgh, Texas, the Rio Grande Valley. Where is the Rio Grande Valley? I said, well, it's a tip of, you know, you know, Texas, the border of, oh, so you're from Mexico. No, I'm not from Mexico. Yeah. Oh, so you would travel from Mexico into Texas and go to, no, I lived in Texas. The border's an hour away, but I lived here. I was born and raised in Texas. I'm a United States citizen. Oh, okay. Uh, even, even the Anglo girls would ask me where I tanned. Um, where did I get my fantastic tan? They would ask me in class. Um, it was a natural, obviously. And then one day, so Hopwood, I don't know if you're familiar with Hopwood, but Hopwood was decided the same year that I got into law school. Hopwood was a Supreme Court case that uh, allowed for affirmative action. They allowed universities to go ahead and consider race and ethnicity for admissions. Um, well, I even had someone ask me, well, you know, you took my friend's spot and the only reason you're here is because of the color of your skin. Well, be wow. me, be me, pues yo no me dejaba de nadie, menos de alguien. So of course my response was like, well, I'm here, I'm just as good as you and I'm probably going to do better than you. So get over it. And I sat down and went to class, you know, but it was difficult, but I will say that the University of Texas law school was the most amazing thing to ever happen in my life because it opened my eyes to the possibilities of what I could do if A and B could do. I mean, I went to school with people who their their future was already, they already had their future mapped out for them. Their fathers were senators, their fathers were presidents of universities, their father and mother were, you know, well off or, you know, they were, they were known individuals. So they had their future set out for them. And I would sit there and say, well, if they can do this, I mean, why can't I, you know, what, why can't I write my own story? So I, I will say the University of Texas has a model that says what starts here changes the world. And I will say that I'm a firm believer of what started there for me has changed not only my world, but has helped me change other people's world because of the position I hold. So I would say that my educational journey through law school was amazing. It had its challenges, its adversity, but it also made me a stronger and it gave me more confidence. And so I will always be grateful for the University of Texas for allowing me to go into that law school and, and coming out with my, my uh, JD and 
Then after that, I took my bar exam and then I became a lawyer. Um, in 2015, I became a lawyer. I mean, 20, 2005, I became a lawyer. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. And thank you for sharing that. Now, what would you, what would you share with our listeners? Maybe there's some girls, some people out there. I mean, everyone, right. But especially young girls are thinking, oh, should I do it? I'm thinking of law school. I should not. I'm not sure. Like what advice would you throw out there for anybody considering law school? I would tell them to, to do an internship. I would tell them to talk to lawyers. I would tell them to sit in in a courtroom, you know, or even come to my court and ask me questions. Because look, once you commit to this, there's no going back. Um, now, I will say, though, just because you go to law school doesn't necessarily mean you need to be a lawyer. I mean, you don't need to do what, you know, law, being a lawyer isn't what you see on TV. It's not law and order every day. There's different categories of law. There's different practices of law. I have best friends who are lobbyists. They actually lobby for a hospital. I have another best friend who works at the University of Texas School of Law as a public relations, but she has her JD. So it's very beneficial to have a law degree, but you don't necessarily have to practice in a courtroom or be a corporate lawyer or, you know, be stuck in an office. You, the, you can be an agent, a sports agent with a JD. I mean, the possibilities are endless, but you need to make sure this is what you want to do. Um, you need to make sure that because once you start on this journey, it's very hard to go back and you've, you've accumulated all this time. You've, you know, you've done this. A bar exam is an extremely difficult exam. It's a three-day exam. You fail one part, you fail it all. You got to take it again in six months. So it's something that if I, you know, my, my biggest advice is make sure this is what you want to do. Make sure this is, you know, and then look at what you can do with a law degree. And then, you know, kind of aim at that because everything is real competitive now compared to when I was in school. Thank you. So we know now you're a judge, you ran a campaign, now you're a judge and you did law school. You talked a little bit about growing up. You talk about your parents' story. You talked about the, the school universities there. But if you were to mention one, one, what has been your biggest adversity if you had to choose one? Hmm, biggest adversity if I had to choose one. Um, I would say my biggest adversity if I had to choose one was balancing being a wife, a mother, and uh, a lawyer at the same time. Um, you know, it it sounds amazing. You know, I, I sound like it's, you know, anyone can do it and they can, but it does come with its challenges. Um, so look, I'm a very family oriented individual. So as soon as I graduated from law school, guess what I did? I did the Hispanic thing. You know, I followed the roadmap. I fell in love. I got married with my husband. We got engaged within nine months. We were married within a year, less than a year. I got pregnant. As you, you know, I think we got married in June and I got pregnant in August or September because uh, my mother failed to tell me we we're very fertile individuals. Uh, so I got pregnant right away. I had my first daughter before a month before my first year anniversary, wedding anniversary. Um, and mind you, I'm very traditional. So I didn't live with my husband. And again, I'm not passing any judgment, but I didn't have the opportunity to live with my husband before I married him because that wasn't allowed. Uh, that was, you know, looked down upon in our, in our, in our Catholic upbringing. So I started a marriage with a man who, I mean, very different upbringing than, than me. 
my husband was popular and, you know, quarterback of the football team and his parents, he was a baby and his parents let him remember two set of rules, right? So he grew up with the other set of rules when I grew up with my set of rules. So to start a marriage with a child, you know, and then I, I was trying to start my legal career and wanting people to take me serious, but I had to have to leave because my baby was sick or, you know, or we couldn't, you know, um, my husband was trying to become a CPA. So financially we were having issues. I mean, I think that was the hardest um, time trying to balance it all. Um, And then my parents, they weren't around because remember they migrated and my mom was like, Hey, if I take care of your kids, I got to take care of all of the kids. And she has 10 grandchildren. Wow. And, I, and my parents are extremely young. Le gustan bailar. They love to go dance. They go to the bailes on their own without us. My parents are like the young couple that are like courting. And right now, because you know, they didn't get to do, and I get it. They didn't get to do that. They had to grow up. And so I don't, you know, my in-laws were older, so I didn't have help. Um, I, you know, I, I had to depend on, on a lot. And so, and then just trying to figure out our marriage because, you know, first couple of years of marriage, trying to understand who's who it, it had is it's, it's uh, challenges, it's obstacles. So I think that's been the hardest um, to juggle all of that. And to, thankfully my kids are still alive. <laughs> uh, they're good kids, uh, very some you know one of my child is extremely talented and athletic my other child is extremely gold heart you know tiene corazón de oro that's right elder and my other one is a she's a dancer committed you know competitive dancer at just nine years old so I think I did something I think we did something right but that's been my biggest challenge being juggling it all thank you thank you for sharing because I know there's a lot of moms out there And there's a lot of that say, you know what, I can't do this or that, you know what, don't give up. I always say regardless, regardless of challenges, there's a lot of times that myself, I don't want to get up. It's like, oh, I'm so tired or this is going on or that's going on. Or we're going through just different, different challenges during our lifetime. And they're all stages, stages. I mean, once uh, um, we have our kids or babies and then start growing up and uh, you, you mentioned earlier in the interview that your mom didn't play with you. And I share that also. My mom was too busy take care of the 12 of us because we're 12 and make sure that we had food and make sure that I I tell my kids that mom didn't I used to say that she didn't work she's like oh yeah my mom doesn't work but it's like now I know that she worked and double shift because she was a mom you know every day we never left school without breakfast and as soon as we got home there was food on the table and it was warm and now I'm like oh my god my kids are getting home there's no food there and things like that right but our parents, I guess they were a whole different generation. And, uh, you know, and they did what they could. The They're best warriors. They could for us, yes. And that's the example they gave us. I know you mentioned earlier also about your dad, about the handshake, the importance of a handshake. Same thing. My dad will be like, ni no quemen el apellido. Mm-hmm. That was his thing. He, they, my mom and dad, third and fourth grade education, like, and that was it. It's like, you do not burn our, our, our last name. Like, our last name is going to... If you find, I find out you did something out there, I'm going to give him permission to get to you and I'm going to get to you when you get home. And so it's very important as Hispanics, as that, the family values, the Christian values and all that. But now, what do you think? Because we always say, oh, there's challenges. We're talking about challenges right now. We're talking about adversities. You talked a little bit about growing up. You talked about the challenges at school and the one you just shared right now. But what do you think 
helped you persist, Renee? Because we always say, oh, adversity, 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 but yet you overcome. You're successful. For any of your leadership training needs, call the leadership doctor, Dr. Esmeralda Dame, CEO of Consulting Firm. You can reach her at 956-458-9279. Review her website, www.esmeraldaadame.com for workshops, training, speaking engagements, anything in career success, empowerment, goal setting, mentoring, motivation. Dr. Adame is an educator, an engineer, an entrepreneur, a leader, a mentor, a podcaster, and so many other hats she wears. For any leadership training needs, call the leadership doctor, Dr. Adame. Right now, you're a wife, you're a mom, you're a judge. But we know that adversities shape us. So what can you share? What can, what can you tell us? What helped you persist? It, you know, it was my morals and, and values that I was taught by my mom, uh, my parents, you know, and compare, you know, I know we're not supposed to compare ourselves, but I compared, I compare myself to my parents. I mean, if my parents at 15 and 16 years old, 17, 18, could provide for two children, have no education, have no job, have nothing to their name, um, then what the heck am I complaining about? You know, um, I can figure it out. You're right. My mom tenía tortillas recién hechas, you know, every morning, every lunch, every dinner, she would, she had every meal pre prepared. They couldn't afford dry cleaning. So my mother would literally starch my father's Wranglers put them in a bag, then put them in a freezer, take them out of the freezer and then start ironing them. And they literally would look like they were from the cleaners. Uh, and my mother would do this because that's how my dad liked his shirts. That's, and even his work shirts, even his work pants, you know. Um, so my mother did all this, didn't get paid, uh, was alone some of the time because my dad was not there. Uh, he was working. Um, so, you know, I, I compare myself and say, okay, if, if I can do this, like if she could do all of this, I can do it. Uh, you know, and not only that I'm earning money, I'm able to afford things that, you know, that she couldn't afford. Um, you know, I, I can get help. I, you know, it, it there wasn't, there was no challenge. that was big enough compared to the one my parents have overcome. So that's what I would do. I would compare myself. And then when it came to my marriage, Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there was days where I wanted to say, I'm done, I'm out. But again, my upbringing was, hey, I made a commitment before God. You know, the commitment was for better, for worse. It's a promise. It's a sacrament I received. I'm not going to break it because, you know, because his thinking was different from mine, you know, and um, and and we had our we had our battles. We had our pat our rough bumps in the road, but we we kept at it. Uh, and and again, Um, it took a village. Uh, I surround myself with a lot of people who I've been grateful enough to have and to help me, uh, to be there for me. You know, my kid needs a ride from practice. I'll get them. Don't worry. You know, so it, it does take a village to raise a child. I'm a firm believer of that. And if I didn't have that village, I don't know if I would have been able to do everything I'm, I've been able to do. And from talking to my marriage, I had an extremely supportive husband. Um, my husband, even though we were very different as, as how we grew up, he was very, he's very modern. He's very open to women, you know, 
His thing is, as long as someone can do the job, it doesn't matter who they are. If they can do the job right, make my life easier, I don't care. So I think that's how he felt about me. Hey, if she wants to do it all, you know, let her do it all. It makes my life easy. I'm fine with it. I'm going to support her. I'm going to help her. And he's, and he was like that. So I wouldn't have been able to be a lawyer, be everything if, if, if you know, if it wasn't for him being so open about it. Um, and nowadays, even nowadays, you still don't have that. You don't have that 100% support from your husband. Thank you. Thank you. I, you mentioned that you had that uh, comparing, right? I always say, don't compare yourself to anybody. Don't compare yourself to anybody uh, as long as you're better than yesterday. But in this case, this is the exception because you're comparing yourself to like, you know what? We always want to, you know what? If their struggles were like literally five times as big as mine, then I can do it. So I think in this case, you know what? Go ahead. It's like when you complain. I know I do tell my kids, hey, don't eat your food. And they're like, mom, I know, I know kids in Mexico or kids over there in Africa don't have food. So they're rolling their eyes, right? But it's like, no, when you need to compare yourself with the little things that you're complaining about and see that other people literally have no place to eat and don't have a room for themselves. I tell them, I used to share a room with five sisters. It was five girls and we all had one room. So now that it, like you need to clean your room. Oh, I cleaned it last week. No, little things like that. Yo, did you wish you didn't have a room? Do you think you want to share a room with five or four other people? And they're like, okay, fine. So I think in this case, when you compare yourself to, hey, this is the struggles that my mom went through. So mine are actually don't no comparison. Mine I can do. I can my struggle doesn't compare. My struggle is nothing. So you mentioned also about your supportive husband. And that is that is amazing. That's awesome that he's there and he supports you because in our culture, it's not. It's not common. It's not common. It's actually the opposite of what we have. Um, it's a lot of uh, uh, women out there that can say, you know what, if only if, right, only if exactly. uh, I, I had to support a husband, only if I had my uh, spouse was supportive. And it, it's it's difficult. Everybody's story is different, but we, we have to live with it. And like you mentioned, you made a commitment and you say about your marriage, there was a lot of times that, hey, we're going to give up and throw in the towel. But it's a commitment. I know a lot of right now, a lot of this is not a marriage thing, but I'm going to bring it up how people are going to marriage say, oh, pues si no funciona, pues me divorcio y punto. You know, like if it doesn't work out, I just get divorced and that's it. You know, go to the next one. But that's the mentality that we need to change. It's like, no, it's a commitment. And you mentioned it's better for worse and then to death us part. And it's a commitment, just like your job, you know, your job, you committed. And just because you didn't like it the first week doesn't mean you're going to turn around and, and quit. No, you you try to talk to people, communication, make it better, and you work at it every day. And if you don't learn something, don't know it, you learn it. And it, it's it's sad because uh, I was talking to about an, uh, somebody else in another interview that, you know, we go to school for everything except, you know, how to be a wife or how to be a husband, how to be a mom, you know, how to be a dad. And, and it's just really, those are the two more essential things that that there should be out there. So it's, it's just, it's challenging. It's challenging to, to do that. It is. And, you know, the other thing is once you start having children, you need to also understand, yeah, you can get divorced. You can, you know, it's real simple. You can go to a lawyer. I mean, the process is not hard. Of course it's simple, but you don't understand a divorce is traumatic for a child. Um, and, and again, I know a lot of people have been divorced and I'm not, again, there's, there's justifications as to why people should get divorced. And I will agree, like domestic violence, you know, adultery thing, even then maybe sometimes people forgive and people change. Okay. You know, every, to which their own. But my point I'm trying to make is you have children 
And for a child, we don't think it's that traumatic, but it is. And in my line of work now as a judge, so I'm, I'm the ju- I re- preside over all juvenile cases in Hidalgo County. I see every child that is detained. I see every, ch- you know, every child that comes be- before my court. And you will see that, you know, their issues started when their parents were separated or when their parents were divorced. And then, you know, you're not giving them the structure and the stability. Um, and so, again, that's why I go back and I compare myself to my mother. I mean, my mother had it hard. I will tell you, you know, my father, he was I mean, now my father to me is like the perfect man in the whole world. Like, I love my father. I'm the biggest daddy's little girl. But, you know, uh, my mom has shared that there was issues that he had. And I don't and I'm not justifying it. But come on, he was nine, 18, 19, caring for a family of three, you know, family of four at 18, 19 years old, I'm sure. And he came from a divorced family. So he had a lot of demons and, you know, um, so I go back and I say, look, if my mom could deal with this and she overcame it, I can do the same thing. And my mom would, I would ask my mom, but mom, why did you, you know, us being the educated, you know, Chicana women, like, oh, you know, you know, real brave and mom, why did you do like, why would you take that? And she'd say, because of you all, because I needed to keep my family together. And I had faith that God was going to change our lives. And he did. And I needed to keep our family together. And so my mom, and so again, I go back to comparing, like, if she could take some of the things my mom took there, I have no excuse. And, um, and, and it does traumatize a, a child and, and people don't think it's a big deal, but it can be to a young child. Wow. Now well, I'm going to ask you on the mom role. I'm going to ask you Renee as a mom, what has, what is the hardest thing for you? You say you have three, three children. I have three girls three daughters, three little me's. <laughs> so what has I been- wanted, I just wanted to give you that picture before you go on with the, your question. What was that? I just wanted to give you that that picture. I wanted you to picture that. Uh, well, it's crazy because I, I was talking to somebody yesterday, like I have two, uh, my last two ch- uh, kids, I was because she was pregnant. And, like, and then I'm like, oh, what did you end up having? And he's like, twins. I'm like, really? And like, oh my God, he goes, two boys. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Boys have so much energy. I have two little amazing little boys. I love them. They love their mothers. They love their mamas. I'm my brother to this day. Like my mom was a, he's my favorite. My mom doesn't know. She, my mom has no reservation in saying that my oldest brother is her favorite, her favorite. And (laughs) they call her every day. They call see what she's doing. Oh, they're like in love with my mother. So tell us what, what is the hardest things as, as a mom? Like, it doesn't have to be currently, but it's just, just being a mom, what has been the hardest struggle or what can you share? So we talk about comparing, right? This is where the comparison kind of worked against me. Um, so I'm a lawyer or I, I have legal, you know, I, I think I'm a legal expert. And in my mind with my first and my oldest, um, my oldest daughter, Gloriana, uh, I thought, okay, look, whatever my mom did, work for me because look how I turned out right so it's going to work for Gloriana yeah for Gloriana you know she took the brunt of you know um I would I would spank uh I would yell um I when she didn't know her her addition or she didn't know how to spell or, or write something I would like like lose it um you know 
because I always felt like it's going to be a reflection on me. It's going to be a reflection on me. So on my first daughter, I put so much pressure on her. I was so hard with her because, well, my mom was like that with me. So I thought, well, I mean, it worked out for my mom. It's going to work out for me too. Let me interrupt you. It's because we don't know, right? We kind of want to repeat yeah. the cycle. And again, we just, I just talked but about it's evidence. We don't go to school. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's evidence. Like, you know, you got evidence, like here's evidence. Like I'm the product of evidence, A, B, and C, you know? So my kid, if we follow the same roadmap, then the it's gonna be the same pattern. It's going to be great for my kid. No, I mean, um, and I didn't find this out until she was like 12 years old. You know, I wanted her to have, I forced her to have friends because I had never had friends growing up. Uh, I forced her to, um, she was, she's extremely athletic. My daughter, I, I give her props. She's, she's a, she plays varsity basketball as a freshman. Uh, she runs hurdles as a varsity hurdles as a freshman. She's gone to AAU Junior Olympics. Um, she, anything she does, she does well. She's top of her class. Um, she's in the top 6% of her class. But it wasn't until I think COVID where she got into some trouble. And trouble, when I mean trouble, I talk about, you know, trouble of like kids that come to my court. And it, and it was under my, my nose. And I was like, what do you mean? What, what do you mean you did A, B, and C? Like, no, like, no, you can't. Oh, I lost it. I, I lost it. And I asked her one time, I said, why, why did you do this? And she goes, well, because, you know, um, you, I never do anything right for you anyway. So what was the point? Like, in other words, I never, anything I do is never good enough for you. So I just thought, well, you know, it, it's kind of damn if I do and damn if I don't. And that's where, and she had this like, <clears throat> like every summer when she when I guess she knew she was going to be more with me like spend more time with me she would get this like oh. <laughs> like this little like tick and I I took her to you know doctors asthma we thought she had asthma well when the situation occurred that she got into trouble and we kind of just stopped and took a step back and got you know professional help by getting a therapist um I came to learn that it was anxiety that that she would put so much pressure on herself and she knew that I was going to be around more and she wanted to do the best she could for, because I, you know, she, like she said, I, I knew I never made you happy. So, she, so, it, so it was the cause of that tick was because of that. Um, and she, one time she sat down and she told me, look, I'm not like you mom. Like, I don't need to have friends. I don't really like many people. They kind of annoy me. Um, I, I like to do things on my own. I love my sports. Um, I want to be smart. You know, I want to do well in school. Like, don't force me to do things that you think I want to do. And I really don't. I will tell you when I want to. And I will tell you when I don't. And I was like, so like parties, things, she was just tell me who invites me and I'll tell you yes or no. And don't ask me why, because mom, there's things that I see that you don't see. And I just want you to trust me. I want you to, this is a 13 year old telling me this. And I'm like, Okay, you know, so it was it wasn't a slap in the face. It was just kind of like, man, you think you're doing this right? And you think you know it or you and you don't. And so we're still working through kind of the she loves her dad. She's like, I love my, you know, but we still butt heads a lot and we we work through it. But I have come to find that she's a lot like me. She we spent a weekend the other weekend together and she it's like my mom and me at, you know, at each other. 
Um, so she's very much like me. And I'm very proud to say she's very independent. She's very um, disciplined, very responsible. I don't have to worry about her. You know, she likes to come home and stay home and sleep because she's always so tired. She works out. She gets up at training at six o'clock in the morning, goes, gets home, goes to school, goes to practice, works out another hour with it, with her coach, you know, hurdle coach comes home, eats and goes to bed like that and does her homework. That's her. Um, so the hardest challenge is, is trying to figure out what works for my daughter. Then I have another daughter who also during COVID, she ended up being diagnosed with depression. Um, I would notice she just was, she didn't care. Like she was just like, whatever. And, you know, just throwing tantrums. So I took and never staying still. So I took her to a psychologist and I had her evaluated. And again, a lot of people think this is bad. No, it's not. Like, I don't, you're right. We didn't go to school. I need professionals to tell me how I can help my child. And there's nothing wrong with it, especially because it takes a village. Your children don't always trust you. And you have to hope that they're going to trust somebody that is a professional or somebody that is a good influence. Because if not, guess who they're going to go trust? They're going to go trust someone their age, someone who may not have, you know, someone who may not think the same way they think, maybe influence them to do something they're not supposed to, a boy, you know. Again, you, I've seen it all. So my, my middle child, you know, we took her, got diagnosed, got her to a psychiatrist. She goes to counseling every week. Um, she is the most, I call her hippie. If she could be at the beach all day, she would be at the beach. She, she's gorgeous, but she doesn't care to get, she doesn't care to take a bath. She doesn't care to get dressed. She like, she doesn't want to look more in any way. She doesn't care. I have one of those. Mine's a boy, middle child. Yeah, yeah middle child. And middle child to the T, like, why do, you, why do you compare, you know, why do you do this for this one and not me? And, oh, you know, I mean, middle child to the T. Um, and so with her, you know, my, I, the mental health issue, I told my husband, no, like, we're going to be open to it. You know, he's like, no, you, you, my husband wasn't, that's where he, I was, he surprised me. That's where his machismo came out because that when he's like, well, you're just giving her an excuse. And I'm like, no, I'm not. If this is what a professional told me, we're going to figure it out. And I'm, and, and she told me my daughters, you know, I love my daughters because they tell you how it is. She says, I don't care what you buy me. You can buy me. And she told my husband and me this, I don't care what you buy me. You, you can buy me the world. She says, but all I want I just want y'all to love me. Like, that's all I want. I said, mom, when I get home, I want to be able to talk to you. I don't want you to be annoyed at me. I don't want you to tell me like, okay, yeah, yeah. Like be in a hurry to talk to me. I just want you to talk to me. Ask OMG, me how I think I want to invite your daughters to the podcast. Yes. No, I'm serious. Oh my God. Imagine what they would it's tell just, you. Be- it's just something that I talked to with another person I was talking to the mm-hmm. other day, another interview. It's just, we need to hear it. We need to hear it from them. Because as yes. moms, we see, it's another lens. We, oh, yeah. we see what our parents did. We want to repeat the cycle. And of course, I know with me, it's like, okay, my parents spanked me. I am not going to spank my kids. My parents, it, well, my mom, right? Because my mom was the one that would. So they uh, were the bad cop. Yes. And my dad was like, pues tu sabes, tu sabes. Like, you know, you're the only one that you're the one with them. So you need to be. So, mm-hmm. you know, we see the memes of the chancla and, and the, the barita oh, yeah. and everything else that we got from our mom. And How did we you talk about it. But I was like, you know what? I ain't going to use any of that because it didn't do any good. But. We need to hear from, and it's very hard. I mean, you mentioned that COVID, all this opened up, 
and it's hard because I mean the case of violence went up, the case of abuse went up, and with uh, a lot of. Um, you also mentioned that she had uh, she has uh, the second one was diagnosed with depression. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was I mean, we joked around also about the middle child, but it's the middle child syndrome. And I tell people, if you're going to have kids have two or four. Do not have three. <laughs> oh, I know. But my middle child, same thing. I mean, I know I have a video that I created on my, on my for my middle child. It's on YouTube, on my YouTube channel. And it's heartbreaking. It's mm-hmm. heartbreaking because I would see him, I mean, acting up. He wouldn't care. He didn't want to shower. He was gaining weight. His behavior was, it was just horrible. And he was totally opposite before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But as a mom, I mean, I'm listening to you, what they were going through. And and and, and it, I'm getting you know, over here not on my throat because it would be so awesome. And and if all the teenagers were just like your daughters, where they would literally speak up. Because right now, parents, I mean, you see the kids. I mean, I teach and I see my students have way better phones than me. Oh, yeah. You know, and I was like, OMG, I mean, they have the highest tech, they have the highest, I mean, expensive shoes. And then a lot of parents, that's what they would do, you know, buy stuff to put in instead of time because parents don't have time, they, they buy them stuff. It's like, no, but what kids want is time. They want you to pay attention to them, they want you to care. And it'll be so nice to hear it. But I'm being serious, like to hear it from teenagers. And so, what are you feeling? Like, what? what what do you want parents to know? We don't know what's going on in their mind. We don't know what's going on in school. You mentioned earlier that your oldest daughter said, trust me, you, yeah. I see things that you don't. And we don't. I mean, if the, you mentioned earlier when you, you grew up, I mean, same neighborhood as mine where there were drive-bys, drugs, all these things going on, domestic violence, you know, you would be asleep in the middle of the night and you would hear the sirens of a police coming through the, across the street or next door or behind you where there was a shootout or there was domestic violence. I mean, people drinking, all this stuff that I know myself, I try to kind of keep my kids in a bubble, right? But hey, it's worst out there. It's really bad. And I don't believe the bubble thing. I really don't. Um, You know, for example, like when they all got their, and I don't know if I can talk, they're probably going to kill me, but when they all got their, well, not all of them, but when the oldest got their menstrual cycle, like that's it. You know, we sat down and I told him, look, this is what it means to have this. It's a woman's, it's your body. It's your choice, what you do with your body as of right now. I said, but look, you know, when you make these choices, these are some of the consequences that can occur um, because now you're able to have babies. And, you know, if you choose to do things in order to have babies and you're looking at, and I show them like all the STDs and they're like, mom, that's so gross. Why are you showing us this? I go, because you know what, this is a reality and I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You can get these diseases. And let me talk to you about each of these diseases. I go, and they're like, mom, like, I can't believe it. And so I think the other day I heard somebody say, oh, I would never kiss anybody because after what mom showed me, I wouldn't want to get those like, gra- I think she said those, those granitos in my mouth. And I was like, oh, thank God. I was like, thank God. They, like, something that we need to, we need to talk about, yeah, talk yeah. about because in all these, I know one of my, my previous guests, uh, she was talking about a story about being bulimic mm-hmm. and now all that came up is things that we need to, that our, our, our kids are going through that are not just girls, but guys as well. Yes. And right now, again, I, I, I teach and I see, and I see, OMG, I see a lot of girls way worse than the, the little boys, mm-hmm. you know, when there's oh, a yes. difference, but it's something that OMG, like a lot of things that I say, the way they talk. And I tell my kiddos, 
I cannot be out there with you 24 seven. Like I, you're at, at school more time than you're with me. And I, I told him your gauge is like, would I do this in front of mom? Would I do this in front of dad? You know? And I tell him, Jesus is watching, you know, I cannot uh -huh. watch you. And I tell him, you know, and I cannot be with you and uh, you need to speak up and you need to, you know, don't be a bully and speak up if somebody's being bullied. And there's just so many things. I think they're just, we just brought up so many things, Renee, that um, seriously, we need to do something and, and talk more about the struggles that our teenagers go through because you oh, would yes. say, oh yeah, everybody's back. We're back to work, kind of the pandemic's over. No, it's not. Everything that went through it, it's still in there. It's still in there. There's still the feelings that they feel. It's something very critical that we need to, we need to really address. And I see it every day in my job. I mean, with juveniles that come before my court, you know, um, I, and then the other thing too is, look, I know they're children and I know that you, a lot of people think that, you know, with their children, they don't know. So you treat them like they don't know, but, but you know, now maybe back then it worked, but nowadays, like you have to treat them equally. Um, you have to give them the same respect you want them to give you. Uh, when I have the child before me, I don't look, talk down on them. I ask them how they're doing. I tell them my name. I ask them their name. You know, I talk to them like regular individuals. And then I say, so what's going on? Like, why did you, you know, why, why are you smoking pot? Well, I won't ever do it again. I go, no, 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 no. I don't want to, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. I just, and you're not going to get in trouble for this. Just tell me why, why are, why do you smoke pot? And they'll open up, some will open up and be like, well, judges, because I feel anxious. I get like anxiety. Um, I feel like I can't concentrate and I'm not going to lie. Like when I smoke pot, it calms me down. And so I said, okay, so you're self-medicating yourself. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to actually get you to a doctor, a psychiatrist, and you're, they're going to give you medication so that you don't have to use illegal drugs. So right now, marijuana is illegal until it's legal. You can't do this. You can't, you know, it's, it's not good for you to do this. Um, so, you know, it's about, and then I get parents who like, they come up there and I'm like, okay, what's going on? How do you need me? Cause I'll ask, like, I need assistance. Okay. What assistance do you need? Well, it's because he's this, he's that, he's that, and I'm like, man, I'm going to stop you right there. Tell me something good your child does. And you see the parent going like, uh, and I'm like, exactly. Like you talk to down on them, you tell, and I'm sure the child has fault in it and I get it. But if the child always thinks he's going to do wrong, then what's the point? He's going to want to, he's never going to want to do well because you're always on, you know, you're always talking down on them. Um, and you, and as a parent, you too have to do things that you don't want to do. You think I want to take time out of my day to take my daughter to another psychology, psychological evaluation to take my child to, you know, I've had to go and sit in school with my child because she's been misbehaving. And that's the only thing I don't tolerate. I don't tolerate disrespect. I don't like my children to be disrespectful. I can tolerate a lot, but don't you dare hear that you're disrespectful. And the day that my child was disrespectful, I went to school and I said, I'm going to sit in. And they're like, Judge Benicor, what do you mean? I go, I'm going to sit in. Don't worry. No one's going to get in trouble. I'm on your side. So I went and I sat in on three classes in junior high with my daughter. And I was walking down the hall with Los Tacones. And my, my daughter was like trying to like lose me because she was so embarrassed. But, you know, those were the things that, parents aren't going to take time to go sit in their class with their child, but you have to, you have to show the child that you're going to be there. And it's hard. It's so hard to do anything extra than what you have to do, but it's your child. 
and you and and you need to do what you need to do for your child and and every child is different like my oldest she's amazing like amazing but I talked to her and she's like no bye you know like no love no OMG uh, that's my daughter right now she's yeah. a freshman too <laughs> yes or her friends you know her friends are like ah, hey like super excited she's like hey like just you yeah, know totally you different we tell her oh but when you were your friends look at you yes. I'm gonna record you and show you the video but like but no I think emotion it's just mm-hmm. where the middle one's like hi oh my god mom like oh, I love you I love you so much the little one's like I love you mommy I love you love you know and the other one's like, I love you. She, she'll rather le da más cariños al perro cuando se va de la casa than to tell me bye. That's my oldest. Like, she'll that, be like, that, 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 I'm just going to translate that. She gives more love to the dog when she's seen it than to you. But That's I think that. it's just a stage, just a stage. And hopefully we can't wait for it to go by because sometimes <sighs> I know, uh, I don't even know if I should mention it here, but my, my, uh, my husband tells her, and she sends her that her song is like, I'm cold blooded, right? And he yeah, oh no, I said the, the Wizard of Oz song, If I Only Had a Heart. I sing that to her, <laughs> If I Only Have a Heart. But look, at the end of the day, the point I'm trying to make is, you know, you have to communicate with your children. Yes. And if you can't communicate with them, get them in front of somebody that they can communicate with. Um, so I have an amazing therapist who has been a therapist to both of my daughters. And I, and it wasn't because... I wanted to stick with the same therapist. It's because my daughters literally both, no matter, even though they're both different, they both really love her, like her. Um, and she gets, she like has them open up about things. And then she'll come to me and say like, okay, well, this is what's going on. So she's kind of like the buffer. And it, it it helps me understand because I'm hearing it from an adult and a professional instead of my child where I'm like, ah, you know. Wow. So I'm really all about mental health. I'm all about getting your child to talk to somebody other than you um, and, and having them feel that they can do it. You know, don't feel like, oh, well, I'm your mother. You're supposed to come to me. Like, you're not supposed to talk to you. So, and so like, don't have that envy. I don't have that jealousy because it takes a village and maybe somebody, you know, you have me in your podcast for a reason. It's so that if people listen and hear that I'm going to be able to help them in some way. I'm sure what I'm telling saying in this podcast can be the same thing their mother's telling them. Right. No, of course. <laughs> but it comes from me. It's different. You know, the same, I feel the same way with my children. If it comes from somebody else, even though it's me saying it, I'm not going to have a heart attack about it. I'm going to just welcome it and be grateful because at least they're getting it in their heads. And that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Renee. I know what, what can you share? Cause you can say, people can say, well, yeah, well, you're a judge and you can afford a psychologist and uh, all this stuff. But what if I can't? I'm a mom and I cannot afford. Well, do you know of any resources out there? Definitely. I know, share that, please. Definitely. So Pan Am, I mean, sorry, UTRGV has counseling, their counseling centers. Um, they, um, they do, because uh, people are getting their internships, they do um, hours. Uh, so you can so for free. You can go for free. Your school, the schools, um, if you feel that your child has some type of de- developmental or maybe even just behavior or if your child is misbehaving and you don't know what's going on and you can have the school, you can go to the school and ask them to get them evaluated uh, for either 504 resources or special ed resources. Um, so the school is also, they don't like to come and tell parents, but 
if you become an advocate for your child, you know, you can go get those resources without even having to pay anything. Um, this is aside from counseling, because I mean, I mean, kudos to counselors and the work they do, but a lot of them, I mean, they're counseling how many kids, you know, there's what, I don't know, 400, 300 kiddos per counselor, and then that's it. I mean, but there's other psychological resources there too. There's, well, there's psychologists. Every school district should have a psychologist. I know like McAllen ISD has a mental health team. Um, okay, that's good to know. I didn't know that. They have a mental health sure. team. Who's, it's amazing. Um, I know they have that. Um, I know Edinburgh CISD also has a psychologist um, that they they have actual school psychologists. That'd be good to uh, know. I have homework to do. I'm going to go figure out and ask and, and, and see if, uh, what school districts have one in, in hand. Thank you. And I know because a lot of it's like, no, pues es que tiene dinero, she has money, she can afford it. No. And a lot of times you mentioned somebody else. I know I mentor a lot of kids. I mentor a lot of kids in the community. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they come and tell me, it's like, why did you tell her? And I'm like, look, I could have told her exactly the same thing you told her, but because you're the mom, she's not going to listen to you. Exactly. <laughs> so kids out there, and there's a lot of, so as parents, we need to reach out out there. You said earlier, there are kids, we need to do it for them. And a lot of times people, I know they call me sometimes like, oh, can you talk to someone? So can I give them the number? Sure. Like, oh yeah, sure. Like, who is it? Oh, oh, it's like my neighbor's cousin's neighbor mm-hmm. daughter, you know, and they go like, you know what? I don't mind. I don't mind. There's a lot of adults out there in the community that, uh, that are willing to talk, that yeah. are willing to talk. I know I do several sessions and when I have an appointment for a certain person with a certain topic, I ask and like, do you mind if we recorded do you mind if, if we invite other people because if you're having issues or then and more than likely other people are having the same issues i mean right now you're talking about your oldest daughter same thing with my daughter you're talking about your middle child man same thing as about my son oh let me he though i told you to go shower already he's like mom i already showered did you wash your hair he's probably gonna yeah. once he hears this oh no like, i know why are you saying that but it's true i mean you're a mom you're a judge here I am. People tell me, oh, because you're Dr. Adamit. No, I'm a mom. I have kids. We go through the same thing. I still need to go home and make dinner. There's dishes to wash. There's all these things that we go through the same thing. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for, for being honest. Thank you for sharing uh, things like that, that even though you're a judge, you go through stuff. Even though you were a judge, you're a, law- you a lawyer, you still struggle with the the husband issues, with, with the mom issues, yeah. with the, everything. Yeah, no. And, and it's, you know, it's, um, I don't have a perfect life. Um, and just because you, you know, have a degree or have a paper on the wall or a title or money, or people think you have money. I mean, you know, are we well off? Yes, we're blessed, but because we work very hard, we don't just kind of lay around, you know, my husband wakes up at five in the morning, goes to the office, doesn't come home till five in the afternoon. So he works extremely hard. I used to work. I used to, I think, maternity leave didn't exist for me because I had my own law firm. So I was literally every baby two weeks off and I was back at court. One time I had a trial, I had to pick a jury. The next time I had to be back by a board, a school board meeting, because I represented school districts. I didn't have the leisure of, you know, maternity leave and staying with my babies and, oh, my baby, you know, being there for six weeks. I didn't have that. Um, So just because it appears like I have it all together doesn't mean I do. And my kids, definitely you know it's a learning curve with them and they're not perfect um they're perfect for me and i love them but they're not perfect and all i ever care for them is to just be good individuals everything else has been extra like my daughter's sports ability 
you know, and, and I tell her, you put the time in, I'll put in the resources. I'll go and sit in a dang track meet, thaw soleada, all, you know, sunburned uh, for you. Yeah. If you put in that effort, you know, you don't put in the effort. I'm not going to waste my time. Don't waste my, and, and I'm like that even with teachers, uh, coaches, you know, I've gone to coaches and said, look, that's, if my kid doesn't have it, tell, let me know. I won't waste your time. You don't waste my time. I don't waste my kid's time. We're out especially when oh, it comes to competitive and stuff, anything mm -hmm. where, you know, resources and, you, you know, if they don't have it, let's go. Um, and I, and, you know, and, and, and the other way I help too is, you know, um, booster clubs, just being involved to help those kids that don't have the means uh, like my kids do. Um, I will get involved in fundraise. So that I know that every kid, ha every girl has, you know, the same thing. I'm all about it. I'm all about, uh, I'm all about putting everybody together and not leaving anyone out. I hate to exclude anybody. I don't like exclusion. I don't like bullying. Um, you know, I've been accused of being a bully, but I'm like, no, it, when I stand up for something, I stand up for it because there's someone that's doing something wrong and I'm not going to stay quiet. Um, but you know, it, it's, I teach my girls, look, we got to help everybody and you may be well off, but somebody else is, but guess what? That person's going to want it even more because I was that person. I didn't have what my friends had. And I would sit there and listen to their parents talk about college. And I was like, I want it more. I want this more. And I, hunger. and the hunger, I had the fire, I had the hunger. And sometimes our kids lack that now because we give them everything. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to find different avenues, how you can help, you know, get them to want that, to be disciplined and get that, those virtues, because, you know, it's, it's not like us growing up. So it, being a mother has its challenges, but I do love my daughters. Um, I love watching them grow. I miss them when they're little. Now that they're little, um, I didn't get to see as much as when they were little because I was working, campaigning. Um, and they'll tell me, oh, mom, you were never home. Remember when you were campaigning? You're always away. And, and they've told me or they'll say like, mom, you're not going to run for anything anymore, right? Like, like, that's it. Like, we're not like, we don't have to go through this campaign anymore. Uh, you know, we don't have to go through elections anymore. And, or they'll say like, okay, mom, do what you got to do. Like, if you going to help somebody run for office, go for it, because we believe in the person and we don't think the other, per you know, they're, they get into it. They, they act like they don't like it, but they like it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, and with girls, I love their opinions. So they always have a lot of them. So, so just listen to your children, biggest advice just communication don't stop talking to them even if they feel annoyed keep talking to them you thank you for sharing that and that's something that we need to hear as moms right because uh we have so much to share i mean we can probably sit here and talk for hours about oh. situations with with the, your child and what happened when they were five and then kindergarten stories and then now high school stories but thank you i do want to end with an advice overall life advice echale ganas Anything you do, échale ganas. If you don't have the passion for it, you don't have the love for it, don't do it. If you want to do something, then échale ganas. That's what my dad would always tell me, échale ganas, mija. Um, when I was doubting myself, when I didn't know if I was going to get it done, you know, he would just say, échale ganas. And you will see the fruit of your labor. If you do everything, you're not going to be the smartest. I wasn't the smartest. I wasn't, you know, there was nothing that 
made me ahead of others. It was just, I just worked my butt off and I never gave up. And I always had the ganas to do more. So my thing is echale ganas. That's my biggest model to anyone. And thank everyone. you. Thank you. And really, honestly, we share the motto. I always say persistence and ganas. Mm-hmm. And actually there's no ganas uh, direct translation to English. No. I would say you can do anything in this world that you want to. All you need is ganas and persistence and people exactly. that know me people they know they say ganas and persistence and of course I say regardless one of my hashtags for social media is regardless yeah. regardless of what comes your way and um, I'm glad you said that ganas because there's no and actually ganas you would say you know you have the grit you want to have the will but it's not there's no right translation to that in in, in English but thank you thank you for, for that advice thank you because really that's all you need persistence and ganas Exactly. that really, really want to do it and then just do it and do it with all your heart. And, and you said, find the passion. And if you didn't have a role model to do, I mean, you said you didn't have a role model. I mean, your parents didn't go, they didn't graduate high school. My parents didn't even graduate from elementary school. That's mm-hmm. not, I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Oh, but they didn't do it. Meaning, no, use that as the, the grid to, to move forward, echale ganas, and just persist and you'll get there. Yeah. And being a good person, honestly, treating others the way you want to be treated. I believe very much in, you know, you reap what you sow, um, you know, just treat people with respect. No one is better than you and you're not better than anybody. And that, and I remind myself that every single day, no one is better than me. Um, you know, in the job that I do, I utilize others that don't like grant writing. I don't know how to grant write. I've tried, but I utilize those that can grant write. And people, you know, it's funny what people assume because they're there saying like, okay, well, what do you want me to do? I don't care. you this is you, you, this is your expertise. You do you. And I'm not going to tell you what to do because I don't know. That's why I have you. And I think that's what makes a good leader is you don't act like, you know, it all you welcome people that know the things you need to know to teach you and to guide you. And you, then you delegate stuff to them. Um, because if you know it all, then what do you need anybody for? So that's, yeah. Yeah, thank you. We share. We have so many things in common, and I know I always the golden rule, right? That treat others the way you want to be treated. And I added something on my own and said, even when nobody's watching. Exactly. Even when no even when nobody's watching. watching, which is integrity. Yeah, I mean, you might be the nicest person in front of everybody, but when you're alone, that's how your integrity is tested. And I believe that also. That you know what, uh, God has blessed us, and I want to bless others. I know people tell me, "What do you do the podcast?" And I know my husband's like, "You and your free stuff and the mentoring and people charge for things like that." And you do this, you know, you know what? I've been so blessed. I just want to bless others. I know I've know what it is to have nothing, and now that I do, I want to give back. I want to bless others and and do, uh, you know, and give them the opportunity that I didn't have. You mentioned internships way back in in the interview, and it's true. I wish somebody would have told me, oh, yeah, go have an, an, an internship. Go, yeah, go do this. Go find a mentor. And so I want to make sure that the young uh, uh, kids right now know all that. And why not? If we can share our stories like this one, Renee, and we can share our stories, you know what? It didn't cost anything to sit here and, and share our story in an hour mm-hmm. or so because it's going to bless others. And they're going to say, you know what? Wow, Renee went this. She struggled with this. I wasn't the only one with a macho dad. I wasn't the only one with a mom. I know my mom was like, mijita, pa' que estudias, mijita. Arto te casas y el marido te ta a mantener. Tell me, don't study. You'll get married and your husband's going to support you. Oh, my mom would have been happy if I would have just graduated from high school and just gotten married in a eight to five, you know, a job, just yeah. whatever. You know, yeah. she was, yeah. that was her. That's fine. She's like, I'm fine with that. And so, yeah. you know, but again, you know, 
everything, and I will tell you this, and this is another point, is everything I've done up until law school, it was, it's because I wanted it to, I wanted it. This is what I wanted and I got it done. Everything afterwards, like becoming a judge, um, the accolades, you know, the the honors that I got, I get, I don't, I don't look for them. I don't ask for them. Um, they, ha I've been blessed with them. But because again, I don't do things because I want recognition or I want a title or I want a position. I do things because I truly, genuinely want to help and I want to make a difference. And I want to make a difference in the area that we live in. I want to make a difference in someone's life, even if it's one person. I do it because of that gives me the satisfaction. I can be a lawyer right now and make tons more money than what I make right now. But I've been there, done that. It doesn't buy you it doesn't give you the happiness. It doesn't give you a sense of, of you know, of you're, you're, you're doing your passion. You're doing your passion. And exactly. I tell people like, I don't do this for money. I, I this is my passion. And I, this is where I'm making a difference. Yep. And this is where I, I feel that God gives you your why. And mm -hmm. once you find your why, which it sounds, this is what your why is Renee. It's like, that's it. Like you find your why and you get up every day and do it because you want to, not for the money, not for the recognitions that will come if it comes. And if it doesn't come, who cares? But when you're doing your passion and you're following your why, I mean, you're, you're satisfied and you're doing it mm -hmm. because you want to, and you're happy. And that, that happiness that, that comes from doing your passion and doing your why and following your, your purpose, no job or no relationship, no, nothing is going to, and no one can take that away. So thank you so much for being with us. And I am looking forward to having you out in the future with probably your, even your daughters. Yes, thank you. And yes, let me know. I'll, I'll bring them in. They, I'm sure they won't be shy to talk about what mom does wrong. But thank you, Dr. Adame. Thank you for what you do. Um, you know, it, it takes, uh, like I said, it takes a village and you're part of that village of letting others know, you know, what's out there and letting others know that you can overcome anything if you just, like I said, at Chileganas and you're persistent like you said. Um, so thank you for what you do. Um, it is, it's, it was an honor to be on here today. It was an honor to share my stories. And if you ever need anything or anyone needs anything, uh, you can find me on social media. You can reach out to me there. I'm usually good about responding. I have my own social media. I'm the one that responds, no one else. Uh, so, you know, if anything I can help out with or anything that you can help me out with in in regards to the juvenile justice system let me know i'm always i'm always open to ideas anything that i can i can uh, make sure that we have the resources here in the valley wow well thank you thank you for all that and, and you're welcome i think it, you said it takes everybody and we're here to help we're here to support and i do have a mentoring circle made out of a lot of different people so maybe that'll be something that you can utilize at, at the at the court and I mean, there's there's lawyers there, there's doctors, there's dentists, there's construction people, there's realtors, there's teachers, there's counselors, there's a pastor, there's uh, Sunday school teachers, there's engineers, there's it's made up of a lot of people that are willing to just they, they actually have their it's, it's shown on my social media as well. And there's people that tell me nobody's contact me. Well, that's fine. There's people oh, I have a lot of people contact me. Well, that's fine. And they're out there to give, you know, advice. There's out there to give any type of advice in their career or even struggle so i'm sure they'll be happy to help if any of them ever want to just sit in on my zoom hearings um they're free to do it i can mute them they can listen so that they can get an understanding of there's a lot of young girls that need help um that need mentors and they can get an understanding so the juvenile system doesn't have advocates like the child welfare system um they have casa we don't have that type of advocacy so mentors are huge um and 
I, I have wanted to establish a mentor um, program, but I haven't been able to because I'm trying to get the girls' mental health court. Well, off. sign me up. But sign I will. me up and I will be happy to help. And I have a lot of people in my circle that are, I'm sure will be willing to help. And it, it is something, and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of need. There's a there lot is. of need and we need to do something about it. Not just speak about it, but do something about it. So I'll exactly. just chat with you in the new future so we can do something. And again, thank you so much. Thank you again. Have a great day. And it was great being on here. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you.